right. Well, hey, good morning. My name's Rob. I get to serve as the pastor here at uh, Eastern Hills, or one of the pastors here at Eastern Hills. Uh, if you're joining us at home online, want to say hello to you. Thanks for being with us. Two announcements. One's interesting. Uh, I was notified that there is a Dodge, sil- a silver Dodge Durango that's just idling in the parking lot right now. Um, I'm going to assume that you were just so excited to get to church that you just forgot to turn off your vehicle. So, if I'm describing a car that might be yours, don't be embarrassed. Uh, you can go and uh, take care. Okay, all right. Well, um, the second, yes, thank you. All right, here we go. Uh, the second announcement is that there's a parent meeting today at 11 o'clock up in the clubhouse. Uh, we believe that when it comes to helping children and students follow after Jesus, it is a partnership. So, Think about it this way. If you came to church every single Sunday and your kiddos were checked in to a student environment, children environment, we would have them 52 hours a year. And the reality is, is most families come about a third of that time. So that means that we get 20 hours with them throughout the year. So while we say it's a partnership, you have the majority share. So please, please come and join us up in the clubhouse when talking about what's happening in the fall with those specific environments. 11 o'clock and childcare is provided. So as we continue this series... Trending faith, what we're doing is we're examining faith, but from a different perspective, deep faith in a meme culture. So we can look at a piece of art, uh, we can look at a movie, we can go to the theater, and we long for depth, we long for connection, we long to be moved. We can go, uh, we can go to the mountains, we can go to the beach, and there's, there's this resonance that, that happens there and saying, wow, there's, there's a creator, there's, there's something more, there's something bigger than ourselves. We long for that, and yet, if we're honest, we, we often settle for what's shallow, and so when we think about this from a, from a way of, of biblical Christianity, 66 books that we call the Bible, the tension is that Christianity doesn't fit within a word limit or a carefully crafted picture. And so one of the things that's trending, maybe you've heard this before, maybe you've seen this before, maybe you've said this before, um, something along the lines of when someone's going through something, you might say, I'm offering up positive vibes or positive thoughts and prayer. Now, I thought this week I would give it a shot. So my, my wife was, uh, you know, in one of those moments of just, she just looked drained, tough week, second week of, of kiddos, battling the school district, getting our homeschooling thing figured out, uh, dad's working a lot. And so in that moment, I just looked her in the eye with all intensity, and I just said, would you just stop for a second? And I just looked, and I stared. I said, how do you feel? She said, the same. Absolute same. Positive thoughts, did nothing. My kiddos this week, uh, our, our middle, middle daughter, uh, Clover, she couldn't go to a birthday party, so she was all upset. All the positive thoughts, all the positive vibes was not going to change her demeanor, her posture, and how she was feeling in that moment. You see, we long for depth. We want meaningful connection. We want change. In fact, if you were to look at the heart of a tweet or a post, let's think about this for a second. Uh, maybe you've seen this before. If anyone was around here and saw this take place, please call. Please send as many positive vibes, thoughts, and prayers. I know the family would truly appreciate it. Thank you. You see, what I know to be true, and maybe you've said this before, maybe you've thought this before, what, in this moment, what's happening, the root here is love. The, the root here is, is care. The root here is, is empathy. The root here is someone longing for meaningful connection because of someone that they know going through something difficult. 
The root here is hopefully there is a God. Hopefully I'm crying out to something or someone that can change these circumstances. That's the good. But when we long for something more and we settle for something less, we walk away saying, I don't know. Maybe there's doubt. Maybe there's uncertainty. Are my prayers being heard? Sometimes I feel like I'm talking to a wall because nothing's changing. And so the author of Hebrews says, no, 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 no. Listen, there's something so much better than positive thoughts or, or positive vibes. In fact, the author of Hebrews says this when it comes to prayer. It says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. So this means that we no longer are bound to having to communicate through another human being. Now we can go to God directly. He goes on to say, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. And so this is good news, because now when I sit down and I have a conversation with God, it's not just positivity, now I can be honest about my shortcomings, my struggles, my failures, the things that, that keep me up at night, my pains, my hurts, my habits, and my hang-ups. And sometimes we will respond when other people tell us a little bit about their story. We might say something like, I get it. You know, I know what you're going through, but, but no, no, no. God says he, he, he can empathize in a way that no human being can. And if we have this type of confidence and we long for the depth, meaningful connection, we should approach with confidence. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, not what if, and you know, maybe God will answer this prayer, maybe he's there, maybe he's not. No, we approach with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You see, this series is all about unpacking the reality that we are tempted to drift towards the shallow, but what God wants for you and what God wants for me and what God wants for every person at home online is depth, meaningful connection with a creator, your Lord, your savior, savior, your shepherd, your defender, your protector. That's the type of depth that I want. And if you're honest, that's the type of depth that you want. So as we continue our series today, Here's the question that I want us to start with. It's an easy one. Here's one that maybe you asked growing up. Is that going to be on the test? Some of you are teachers, and you get this question regularly. You know, it's Friday, you're going in the weekend, the exam's Monday. You're thinking, I got a lot to do this weekend. If you're a student, you know, what, what do I really need to know? And if you're not the one that asked it, you were thinking or you were nudging that other person, hoping that they were bold enough to ask that question, what do we really need to study? What do I need to know to be prepared? You see, we ask this question because there's something within us that says, I'm less motivated to grow unless I need to grow. You see, growth often happens in those need to grow moments. We grow and need to grow moments. So uh, if you're new to central New York, and maybe you've never driven in snow before, the good news is, is we have plenty for you to practice in. In just a few months, you will experience a need to grow moment. All of a sudden, you will be faced with needing to learn how to travel in snow, and maybe even lake effect snow. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be awesome. 
At the same time, how many of us are not familiar with tax, tax laws until we go to file taxes? All of a sudden, we're studying up on deductions and credits. Why? Because we need to grow in the knowledge of how those systems and processes work. So how about you? When it comes to your life right now in this season, what is your need to grow moment? See, it's, it's fascinating is that you can say to yourself over and over and over again, I need to go on a diet. I need to, to get well physically. Uh, I need to be thinking about what's going into my body. And you can put it off, put it off, and there's a lack of motivation until the doctor says there's something that you need to know. All of a sudden, the motivation changes because you're experiencing a need-to-grow moment. If uh, you're in a season right now and you, you have some friendships in your life, maybe some family members in your life, and you're struggling to love someone, maybe you're struggling to forgive someone, you're probably experiencing a need-to-grow moment in your life. <laughs> Parenting is this one lifelong need-to-grow season, just all the time. What do I need to know? Do I need to grow? Happens all the time. We're sitting around the dinner table this week. The four-year-old turns and says, what's hell? Hmm. So I turn to my wife and she said, oh, no, no, no. It's all you, Pastor Rob. <laughs> it's funny how kids will just put those need-to-grow moments right there for you. And so in these need-to-grow moments, we have an opportunity to turn to God to grow and develop our trust and dependence. And so that's what this series is all about. Depth in our relationship with Jesus is dependent upon our dependence. Relationships work this way. Some of your deepest friendships are, came out of difficult seasons in your life where you had to learn, can I, this person be, can I depend upon them? Are they there for me? And when they've showed up for you, they've said, you can trust me. Some of your marriages are strong today because you've had seasons where you had to depend upon one another. And there's a trust that was developed there. And the same can be said when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. And so what we're doing is we're looking at these five growth catalysts, these tools that God provides in our life to help us develop that depth and dependence. Last week we looked at private disciplines. Today we're going to look at providential relationships, pivotal circumstances, practical teaching. And then next week we're going to hit personal ministry. And so today as we unpack these providential relationships, we're going to continue in the book of Hebrews. And so if you missed week one, Hebrews chapter six talks about this call, this exhortation to move beyond the elementary teachings of Christianity. You see, when we come to know Jesus, we place our faith in him alone, him alone and we believe that by placing our faith in Jesus, we're, we're new creations, that God no longer sees us as, as sinners. He sees us the same way that he sees his son, Christ Jesus, which is clothed, and righteousness, that's what we would call our um, vertical relationship with God. Like, I'm good with you, God. We're, we're right with one another now because of Jesus. That's the process of, of salvation, coming to know him. But then there's this whole process of sanctification, which is this process of turning from the sin in our life and trusting in God, the day-to-day, -day, how we do life with him. And so the author of Hebrews is saying, there's growth. Let's move beyond the basic teachings of Christianity and experience the depth that God has for us. And so it's filled with practical teaching on how to do that. And one of those writings is in Hebrews chapter 10. We just read it moments ago. It says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who has promised 
for he who, is, who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And here's the key. We're going to pause here in a second. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So, so what's going on here? You know, you might circle this in your Bible if you're following along, underline it, go back and study it this week. But why would they give up meeting together? What was happening? Well, just imagine that, you know, when you woke up today and decided to go to church, you had a choice. And sometimes that choice is through the lens of it's been a long week, you know, the kids are tired, we've got things going on on Monday, maybe we'll just stay at home and, and watch it. And if you're at home watching it, and I'm describing you, we're glad that you're turning it, tuning in this morning. But that there's this tension of, can we give up a little bit of our Sunday to come? And, and that's the tension. But, but imagine with me, if you can, that the choice to come to church meant that you might be put on a watch list. Imagine with me, if you can, that the choice to come to church might mean that you, need to, you have to lose some of your benefits that you get from the government. Imagine the choice to come to church meant that there'd be a group outside of our services waiting for us in the parking lot, ready to stone us, hurt us, maybe even take our life. I could be wrong, but if I'm being honest, I think most of us might consider uh, the habit, giving up the habit of, of meeting together in that moment. Now, some would be quick to say, oh, we experienced persecution. I mean, the church was shut down. It couldn't meet. And everyone was quick to say, you know, there was this whole battle and intense conversations or what rights do they have? And, and I get it. And those, those, were, those were difficult conversations to have take place. But I wouldn't describe that as the type of persecution that the Hebrews were dealing with. Let me get a little bit closer in today's context. If you're familiar with the organization and the writings, they put out a magazine, they have a website, it's called Voice of the Martyr. You can check it out, persecution.com. But let me just read one of their writings and stories. This is real life, real time. Militants came for Christian school teachers, Philip Okumu and Daniel Okisa, in the middle of the night. They surrounded the men's house in their small Kenyan village near the Somali border and then tossed a grenade through a window. As flames spread through the concrete block structure, Philip and Daniel ran for the door and were shot to death as they exited the building. According to a group of Somali Christian leaders, the men were killed for sharing the gospel with their students. Although based in Somalia, terrorists move freely across the country's borders with Kenya and Ethiopia in a region known as Greater Somalia, enforcing their harsh religious standards with brutal injustice. Sharing the gospel in this region is extremely dangerous. Neither the Somali nor Kenyan government has been able to control the Islamist group and the lawless border region, prompting the Kenyan government to urge non-Muslim government workers like Philip and Daniel to leave the area. But these two Christian men chose to stay. However, because they knew the ethnically Somali children they taught would have no other way of hearing the gospel. Their love for the children and faithfulness to Christ cost them their lives that night. It's persecution. And yet, 
sometimes we get all fired up about how we do church. We get all fired up about the programs we offer or the programs that we don't. We get all fired up about what the worship service is like, what the pastor's choosing to teach on. That's what gets us angry and filled with passion. And yet there are men and women that are literally giving up their life so that people could know Jesus. So the next time you're tempted to think about what you don't have, let's do what the words of the author in Hebrews says to do. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. You see, that's the type of providential relationships that we need in our lives. For some of us, those relationships are rooted in wisdom. There are people that you know that you go to that if you're going through something difficult, and what should I do? And they're filled with wisdom. For some people, we're wired to be encouragers that are just, and being in their presence, you can't help but to be encouraged. For some people, they're gifted in exhortation, that they're the type of people that will challenge you in the spirit of iron sharpens iron. There are those type of relationships, the people that are gifted in empathy and care and compassion, and you could sit there and you know when you show up, they're not gonna try to fix your life, they're just gonna sit there and listen. And then there's those type of relationships where they're just fun. Those friends where you think, I just need to go and laugh and have a good time. So you're gonna call them up and say, hey, can we just hang out for a bit? There are the type of relationships where we, maybe we take the posture of a mentor and we turn to someone and say, I wanna pour into you as someone once poured into myself. And then we also need those type of relationships. We're gonna to look to somebody else and say, will you invest in my life and help me grow as I become a lifelong, lifelong follower of Jesus? But yeah, and yet, here's what I know to be true probably for most of us. When you think about these providential relationships, and maybe you've experienced some of these in church, for some people, you've been hurt by people in the church. For some people, it's hard to invite other people in because you've been burned before. You've been hurt before. In fact, when I talk with people that are not engaged in church, oftentimes their story sounds something like this. It wasn't that they were running from Jesus. They were running from his church. There was some disagreement. There was conflict. And so they said, I'm not going to engage. And I might be describing where you're at right now. And maybe you're coming back for the first time in a long time because that's true of your story. And you might not be in a season to hear this, but I'm just gonna say it. We shouldn't make long-term decisions, permanent decisions, based on temporary emotions. What you're feeling in this moment is real. That hurt, God Literally, he empathizes with you in that pain. But that shouldn't mean that we give up on relationships. Because what I've found to be true in my own life is that if we wait until we need them, we never have them when we want them. If we wait for just that perfect time where we're saying, I'm willing to trust again, something might come in your life where you need those relationships. Now, as one that's not the life of the party personality, 
as one that has a hard time going in the lobby and talking with hundreds of people, these type of relationships are not easy for everyone. In fact, when it comes to providential relationships, they require us to be intentional, available, and yes, a little awkward. Intentional in the sense that it, you've got to make a choice. I'm going to make time to grab coffee with some guys. I'm going to make time to be in a group with other people that are going through some of the same stuff that I'm going through. I'm going to make time to be in that men's group, that women's group, or maybe one of the many classes you could sign up for today in the lobby. It's intentional, and it requires you to be available. You know, one of the things that I'm really encouraged by is that we've had some young families step up and say, I'm going to create an environment where people can experience meaningful connection. We're launching new small groups because people are saying providential relationships are important to grow in my faith, to help other people grow in their faith. But they'd also tell you that there's some awkwardness that comes with that. I remember being a 20-year-old and showing up to a men's group and everybody was, well, three times my age, if not more. And I was the only young guy in that group. And I didn't get the inside jokes. I didn't get all of the stories and all of the memories that they have built along the way. And do you remember when this happened or when that happened? And it was a little awkward for me. I was uncomfortable. But to have these type of relationships, it takes time. You have to give it enough time for those relationships to grow. And men, let's be honest. Being in a conversation with other guys, talking about what hurts in our hearts, that's not something that we naturally drift towards. The idea of going to a, a retreat and sitting around a campfire and burying our soul can be terrifying. And yet, it can be the very medicine that we need, the healing that we need. And so as you consider what you might do this fall, maybe you'd sign up for one of our treats, retreats through Hearts Alive for those gals that are part of, of women's ministry or want to be in, in relationships with, with other women or, or true pursuit, and, and that's an opportunity for you to engage. But I can tell you, it's going to require you to be intentional, available, and yes, a little awkward. Now, the second growth catalyst that I want to look at this morning are pivotal circumstances. If you were to go through Hebrews chapter 11, you would see stories of men and women that were challenged to place their faith and trust and to grow their dependence in God. And so many of these stories end like your classic Disney, Hollywood, everything comes together. They placed faith in God and God moved and, and he did incredible things. But what always sticks out to me is at the end of that list, the author says not everybody had that Hollywood, Disney-like type of ending. The author says this, there were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. 
These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Have you ever had this happen before where you're going through a very difficult season and you're having a conversation with someone and someone says, it's okay, God has a plan. It's okay, God's gonna work it all together for, for, for his good and, and his glory and your good and you just gotta trust him. Now, I, I believe those things are true, but in the moment when you're crying and you're in pain, and sorrow, the question that you're asking is why? Why did this happen? Why didn't God stop it? Why didn't he intervene? Why wasn't there another way? You know, sometimes the reason why we find ourselves in difficult circumstances is because we've made choices. Sometimes the response is, I, I did this. Our life is the total summary of every decision we make along the way. And sometimes that's for better or for worse. Sometimes we find ourselves in difficult circumstances because they did this. Someone hurt us. Someone took advantage of us. Someone betrayed our confidence. And in those moments, and, and if I'm describing the situation you're in right now, hear me, this might sting a little bit. In those moments, it's hard to take a step back and ask yourself this question. Do I live up perfectly to my own standards? Do, have I ever hurt people? Have I ever wronged people? Have I ever disappointed people? It, it doesn't make you feel any better, but it does give you perspective. The third option is, is God did this. Some people say, you know what, this is God's fault because if God's all loving, he's all powerful, he's all knowing, he should have just snapped his finger and then it would have all went away. And you know, when I was eight years old and, and I lost my brother to SIDS and I remember finding him, those were the type of questions that as an eight-year-old I was wrestling with. Well, if God's powerful, why wouldn't he have just saved my brother? And in that moment, what we're saying is that for God to be God, God needs to function the way that we think God should function. And then what we're saying, he's only all-loving, all-powerful, and all-knowing if he would make the same decisions that we would have made in that moment. And now we've taken God and made him human in our thinking. And then if you play the movie forward and you say, you know what, if God were to eliminate all of the pain, all of the hurt, and all of the suffering, he would have to remove all decision-making. And then the question we would be saying is, am I really free? So here's the fourth option. Nobody did this. See, when God created the world, he, he created it according to certain laws. Even creation longs for the return of Jesus. The creation doesn't function the way that God originally designed it to function. And so when we experience this, the weather systems that bring about tornadoes that ravage communities, 
One of the things that science would tell us is those same weather storms bring about the water and soil and plants that we need to survive. And the earthquakes that destroy communities. Remember, living in California all the time. The next one's coming. The next one's coming. But yet those same earthquakes regulate the temperature of the earth for humanity to survive. So sometimes what we assume to be inherently bad or unjust actually brings about good and what we need to sustain life. Now, if you're hurting right now, did any of those four options make you feel any better? No. You see, I've experienced this in my own life, that God is more interested in shaping us than changing our circumstances. A few years ago, I woke up and my beard hair just started falling out. And then it grew back like this uh, Santa Claus type white. I was having this like whole Tim Allen experience. It was incredibly weird and I didn't know what was happening within my body. And since that time, one of the things that I struggle with is like I'm losing pigment in my skin. And so you can imagine, as a guy that has to stand up in front of hundreds of people, how terrifying that is. To show up to a pool and think about all the insecurities that I thought I left behind in junior high. There again. And I hate it, but it's something I'm, I'm going through. God's got a sense of humor, though, because he said... I'm going to move you to Syracuse. Don't worry. The sun's never out there. <laughs> I mean, the sun in Syracuse is like the toy in the cereal box growing up. You remember that? You're like praying, like, oh, I'll let my brother get it. Oh, yes! I got the toy. Yes, the sun is out in Syracuse. I'm not sure what your need-to-grow moment is in this season, but here's what I know to be true of you because it's true of all of us. As we walk through this, one of two outcomes will take place. We'll either walk away saying, because of what I went through, my confidence is greater. My trust in God has been developed and strengthened. Or we're gonna walk away saying, because of what I went through, my confusion is greater. And the gap between confidence and confusion is your conclusion. It's, it's not necessarily your situation it's your interpretation of the situation that you're in. And how you interpret the situation that you're in, your conclusion is driven by your worldview. You see, most popular worldviews fall into one of these three categories, naturalism, postmodernism, or big word here, moralistic therapeutic deism. That's a Scrabble term for you. Gets you a lot of points. Naturalism says we're here by chance. We're just some cosmic coincidence just try to survive. Postmodernism says truth is relative. It's what you want it to be. But moralistic therapeutic deism says this, that God really exists to serve me. That he's not my priest, he's my butler. He exists to make me feel good. Good things happen to good people, bad things happen to bad people. He's there to listen He's there to make sure that I never experience any type of pain and deism, meaning that somehow God's connected to it. 
I just weave him in when it's convenient. And if this is our worldview, in the midst of those pivotal circumstances, we will walk away with greater confusion. So the solution is practical teaching. We often read the word of God through our worldview. We read the word of God through our personal experiences. We read the word of God based on what we hear and we read outside of the scriptures. It's supposed to be flipped. The word of God is the lens in which we see our experiences, in which we experience relationships. That's why Hebrews 13, the, the culmination of all of the things that they're going through, where the author lands is incredibly practical teaching. Here's where he lands. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. How practical is that? You don't need to know the Greek or the Hebrew. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by, doing, or for by so doing some, people have shown hospitality to angels without even knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who are mistreated as if you were yourselves were suffering. You know that Voice of Moderator and some of these Christian organizations where people are taking the gospel to some of the deepest, darkest places, you can download an app on your phone and it'll send you a notification in real time when they get a prayer request of someone that's being persecuted so that you in that moment can stop and pray for them. Hebrews says, marriage should be honored by all. Pretty straightforward. And the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life. Imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. A few verses later, incredibly practical. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Now, this next one, remember when we used to have CDs and there was the repeat button? And you could loop, a tra- you'd loop the song back or you could play the whole album back. This next one, it's a repeat. This next one, I have a post-it note, a bumper sticker, buy the t-shirt, don't miss it, get the Hobby Lobby plaque. Have confidence in your leaders. Hmm. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority. Hmm. Uh, Because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. That means God puts people in responsibility of leadership and says, don't worry, I'm going to hold them accountable. Instead, what I would like you to do, do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. One more. Super practical. Three words, incredibly profound. Pray for us. Practical teaching is what we need in those need-to-grow moments. If you, if, if you call the friend, you know, let's say your car breaks down on the side of the road and you were, you never, no one ever taught you how to change the flat tire, you know, you, you, you didn't buy the AAA, 
you know, membership. And so you, you don't know what to do. And so you call that friend that's the car guy. And he shows up and he's telling you all about how the engine works. And he shows up and tells you about how the electronics work and the fuel and how that works. You, what you're doing in that moment is you're saying, listen, buddy, I just want to get home. Some of you are like, I just want to get home right now. Is he ever going to end? I hear you. It's all right. We're good there. <laughs> all you want in that moment is to have him change your tire and to teach you how to do it so that the next time it happens, you're equipped. You're prepared. That's why when we approach teaching here at Eastern Hills, we want it to be helpful and hopeful. That when you step into our classes, when you step into our groups, we want it to be practical. That it makes sense. That I understand who God is. That I'm challenged to grow in my faith and dependence on him. So when those need to grow moments happen, when the flat tires of life come our way, we're prepared. Now, as the band comes up on stage, they wrap us up this morning, I thought I would share how I've experienced all three of those things when it comes to the pivotal circumstances in life, the practical teaching, and the providential relationships. So years ago, as a, as a pastor, uh, I, had, I was serving in Utah, and I had someone step in uh, to my office. And the appointment got scheduled because it was much like most Sundays. Hey, can we get together and just talk? I got some questions for you. Sure, let's do it. Comes in my office, says some good things about what, what, what he's experiencing in life for the church. We talk a little bit about some things going on in his marriage and pray for him. And he goes home. Three days later, he took his life. You know, I think in that moment, I had all the questions of, what, what did I miss? Was I distracted? Is this my fault? Should I have done something differently? I could remember showing up to the, the memorial service, thinking about the family that he left behind. This was one of those moments for me as a pastor to say, do I believe this? Am I trusting God in this? And what God did is he raised up other brothers in Christ to come alongside me and to help me to identify the lies that I was believing and to replace them with truth. But then he took it one step further and someone stepped forward within our church and said, you know, one of the things that I do is I go around to businesses, organizations, and schools, and I provide what's called a suicide prevention training. It's called QPR, Question, Persuade, Refer. I still have all of the notes from the, the workshop that I did. And now this sits right on my desk next to my computer. Just in case someone comes through my office door, I'm equipped. And so I would say that if you're here today and you've had thoughts of taking your own life, 
my hope and my prayer in this season is that you would be willing to let people in and share what's, what's going on in your life. And if you've been affected by this and you've lost someone because they've taken their own life and you're hurting and, and grieving, we have resources to help you in that as well. But the temptation would be to settle for shallow, to bury it, to run away, and to not lean into the hard thing. Now, years later, I can tell you that this training, this very practical application of how to respond in very difficult circumstances has been not only just helpful for me personally, but also for many, many people. So what is your need to grow moment in this season? What is it in your life where God might be saying, are you gonna trust me in this? What is your need to grow moment in the sense of you need to let people in, but you're choosing not to? What's your need to grow moment in which there's questions that you have about God, Christianity, and the Bible, and it's the scriptures that are gonna provide the answer. Are you willing to step forward and say, I need help? Will someone teach me? My hope and prayer is that your answer is yes. Can we pray together? Lord Jesus, as we sing this next song and people wrestle with hurt and pain and emotions, I pray that the song that we're about to sing, the truth of the scriptures that we're about to sing, that they would ring true in our life, that they would be a, a foundation, that we wouldn't build on our life on things that are meaningless, that we would build our life on the one who is meaningful. Would you minister to those that are hurting today in a way that only you can do? Would you provide hope to that person that feels hopeless in this moment? And would you help us as a church to be the type of church that comes alongside others in those circumstances to be there, to spur one another on towards love and good deed, to encourage one another as we do not give up the habit of gathering together. Pray these things in the name of Christ Jesus. Amen.